Hello, welcome to Spill Your Guts. My name is Sophie Mintz Kaufman, and this episode is about body image. Yay! Uh, and as well as my co host, Lizzie Simpson, we've got as a guest Amy Godfrey. Uh, and uh, amongst other things, Amy has a one woman comedic stand up show called The Biscuit Chronicles, which explores uh, her relationship with her body and what it's like to live outside of, or no, as she puts it, live in a body uh, that is outside the kind of conventional, uh, t- tiny, lithe uh, image of femininity that is perpetuated every single place that you look. Um, so yeah, so this podcast is usually about bulimia. Um, both Liz and I still have still suffered from bulimia. That's not changed. Our past have never ever. Uh, Amy hasn't, but her perspective on body image is really interesting and valid. And the whole thing with eating disorders and bulimia generally is that it's kind of an ex- extreme experience of what a lot of women and people generally experience within society. So. I think we're justified in having Amy as a guest. She is also very eloquent on these matters. Um, so yeah, that's uh, enough of a preamble. Um, I'm going to get the ball rolling by asking a question to my co-host, Lizzie Stimson. Lizzie, are you ready to be asked a question? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Uh, what role did negative body image play in the development of your bulimia? Um, so, um, I th- um, yeah, so obviously it played a massive role. And I think it's um th- this episode I think is particularly pertinent for me because as I said previously I never had really extreme bulimia I'm not even sure that I ever fitted that medical terminology of was it like three to four times a week I couldn't remember what it is but I I never did it that much but what I always had um I think it started when I hit early teens was um really negative body image um and um um you know, like kind of obsessively worrying, um, you know, obsessively uh, feeling fat. And I think out of that, a strange relationship developed with food. And so one of the reasons I tried throwing up was this, I didn't want to keep the food inside of me to add calories. Um, uh, So um, I think without negative body image, there's no way that I would even try throwing up because there wouldn't have been a a point for it um and um yeah I worried a lot about my weight about specific body uh, parts um and um uh, uh yeah I guess just that um I wasn't like attractive enough um and uh, yeah a lot of that and so this is yeah. when you're 12 years old yeah 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 so it hit around 11 12 yeah um which is yeah I guess it's like depressingly young and uh, um, they've done a lot of studies now where it seems that that's roughly the age where girls are beginning to worry sometimes even younger um and um I told you about this the US have recently done a study where they said 75% of women um have a disordered relationship with eating and a negative body image and then 10% of that then have like kind of eating disorder behavior so we're really the tip of the iceberg of what is a much broader phenomena yeah. that manifests in a lot of different ways, none of them really healthy or, yeah. or, or um, aspirational. Um, yeah, so for you, where? Yeah, I like I have a really clear memory of where all my troubles began. Uh, so before I even had an eating disorder, I would fantasise about being a ballet dancer, uh, which is weird because I never did ballet. I just fantasised about that image of this like slender, graceful 
woman flying across the stage with everyone's eyes on her and that was what I thought I I wanted uh obviously it shows a, a lack of realism regarding whether you need to be able to dance to be able to be a ballet dancer but I had this image for ages and then uh j- just before I went on the diet which turned into anorexia which turned into bulimia I'd, I'd come back from playing tennis because I, I, I always played quite a lot of sports um and I came up from playing tennis and I had my like set clothes that I would wear that I thought um suited my body or kind of concealed the fat rather than suited my body because when you're dressing to try and conceal your shape you're not really caring about actually whether you look good or stylish or like yourself or anything you're just dressing to conceal so it's quite a a negative urge and yeah so I I come back and I remember what I was wearing I was wearing my like red t-shirt from Pop Justice and these black cords and I was just looking at my body in total disgust uh and yeah and then I went on a diet and then it all kicked off so yeah totally like you it's totally connected like if I hadn't been looking at my body in a, in a negative and judgmental way then it wouldn't have occurred to me to go on a diet and then and, I yeah and there's also something about uh, like kind of almost being defined by your body because really what like what does it matter if like you're uh like like a little bit fat or a little bit overweight or you perceive yourself like that like what does that like what does that really matter like but yeah it matters so much and it like it defined like how I saw myself and how worthy I saw myself and and not just uh like for me it wasn't just weight but it was like like attractiveness and and um that's why sometimes for me it would like break down into like worrying about like uh yeah body parts maybe not even the whole of me but like if this bit were better like like um <laughs> like you know I just feel better um and do you have any idea where uh your ideal of a perfect body is a small thin body came from because that's that that's like a given and so many conversations cultural conversations but I'm interested in, in where it begins so for me I don't think my perfect body is like a kind of like uh really like t- like kind of tall skinny uh body like I've always like quite petite um like petite and small like I've never I've never thought like being like like big was attractive but like petite and small uh but like quite like quite curvy like the like when I I don't know like Kim Kardashian when she came out I was like wow she's like amazing so I don't think for me it's interesting I don't I don't think I ever fant- focused on like if I was like this like if I if I was this like tall really skinny person things would be good for me it was it was really internal so just like like I put on a little bit of weight when I was a teenager um so I went from like an 8 to 10 to like a kind of 12 and like I've like I've gone back and like at the time I was like if only I could get back to an 8 to 10 and like I've got back to that now and I still worry massively about like my weight and like so it's more like for me it's more like if I could just like lose a little bit more or if I could if my back was a bit thinner or if my arms would just get a bit smaller rather than thinking like if I looked like completely different. So you're more interested in proportionality yeah proportionality and I guess in like in inverted commas fixing myself what does that mean fixing yourself so like trying to like the bits that I worry about trying to sort like sort those out um I think I don't think I ever thought like I like oh I want to be this completely different person it was more like you need to work harder you know you need to eat less you need to do more 
so this urge to be more disciplined at all times yeah yeah and kind of almost like again in inverted commas like you know like perfect what does that mean perfect um well that's the thing it's it's unrealistic because you 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 like i mean (laughs) if if i like for instance now if i lost more weight like i i would still I, i would still i would still worry that i was too big or i'd worry about i don't know like like different parts of me on different days so it's a it's a complete um it's like a dead end you it know? sounds like a device for keeping yourself in check yeah yeah it is it, that's a good way of putting it yeah it's almost a device for keeping yourself in check and it's a bit of a I think we spoke uh, on one of our previous episodes Tom and I about a quite a perfection a kind of perfectionist streak and that streak where you're very hard on yourself like not just about um you know your weight but it kind of seeps into other areas of your life and I think it's like that kind of rod of trying to keep yourself in check and as if you know and using yeah and do but doing that on your physical your external self so the culture in the nebula sense as you can say the culture has given just equipped you with the perfect mental toolkit to keep beating yourself up yeah <laughs> thank you the culture <laughs> thanks culture <Yeah. laughs> no that's that's right and I think you see that there are so many conflict there are so many images now that um like like carry on kind of pushing that on you um and I guess um maybe even subconsciously you're kind of drawn to those things that might make like like underneath make you more anxious you know um and make you want to push yourself that bit harder um how about you uh did you have a perfect body ideal um I just uh I was thinking about where it all stemmed from and my early reference points and uh, people took a lot about images in the media but I wasn't allowed to watch television when I was young and I read actually a lot more uh also uh just the the popular girls in class that ended up going out with the the hunky boys they all tended to be like quite willowy beauties oh no actually there's this one girl who wasn't and uh yeah I, I you know later on I want to talk about Maya Angelou's poem Phenomenal Women and she was kind of a prototype phenomenal woman she just she really there's something about her she was something about her that wasn't to do with her physicality um but yeah I think it, it a lot of it was I had this massive crush on this guy and he always just went for girls that were a certain type and I was like oh well if I was that type of girl then he would go for me which makes it sound like it's all about men because it isn't just all about men although when you're young uh, a young adolescent quite a lot of it is about boys when you're a young woman yeah when you're a woman (laughs) boys or girls yeah um but also yeah the books I read they they all had like I, I was obsessed with Sweet Valley High and every single book starts in the same way by establishing that Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield were a perfect size six with their California blonde hair and their sparkling blue green eyes. But it, the, anyway, like I'm not going to keep on saying Sweet Valley High and exposing my <laughs> still intimate knowledge of it. But yeah, like in the, in the books I read or the, the protagonists, when they were female protagonists, they were these like self-contained, lithe, energetic beauties and... The, the, the girls I saw getting the, the boys uh, as well, they, they were this type as well. So I think I just thought if if I looked like them, I, I would get what they got. And what is it that I thought they got? Some kind of freedom to to enjoy themselves, to be, the, be themselves. And I just thought, there's no way I can enjoy myself at, 
at this size, at this weight. I'm not allowed to enjoy myself at this size, at this weight. And and to this day, it you know, I, I can work my way out of it quite quickly because I've built a, a good life around me. But to this day, I'm like, I'm not every now and then if I'm if I'm feeling insecure, I'll be like, okay, uh, yeah, of course, of course I'm not enjoying life because I need to lose weight and then I'll enjoy life when I'm this weight. Uh and yeah, it's just it's nonsense. And when I when I realise it's nonsense, it's fine and I feel happy again and enjoying life again, but it's just a trap. Yeah. But I don't think we'll ever stop being there. Um, yeah, so uh, this kind of segues nicely onto what the section I've called our delusions. <laughs> so, yeah, m- m- my delusion is just that if I was thinner, if I had no fat, uh, then yeah I just live this dreamy existence and uh you know I'd have problems but I'd cope with them in a graceful way that would earn me the admiration of my peers and everything I would do would just be a little bit softer a little bit gentler a little bit more aspirational a little bit more feminine um and just I'd just somehow be better at coping with life um but yeah your your delusion because we've talked about this is uh is not really attached to like if you're this size and this will happen it's more attached to body dysmorphia yeah so it's more attached to i get i guess it's more attached to um yeah worrying um uh, kind of obsessively about uh, what i look like or or, my, or particular parts of me um and um like we said i get, like in i suppose it's about yeah trying to 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 fix myself and and um like sort of in the moment um thinking well if I do this I can you know like looking at some like looking at something obsessively like part of my body or my whole body and thinking well if I can if I do this or if, if I work a bit harder on this then I'll eventually get to here um and yeah I, I mean I think that kind of um those sort kind of thought patterns I think once you've developed them um, they're really hard to get rid of um, and so I don't think they've ever com- uh, completely gone away f- for me and I can do things now so I can work through um, uh, sort of taking myself away from those negative thought patterns but they're certainly always there and I think to be honest and maybe this is in part to do with particularly to do with being a, a girl in society that I'm so used to them being there. There's like almost like that constant noise of you're not quite good enough that it would that would be odd if they if they weren't there. And I, I in a way it's just like a con like it's a yeah it's like a it's like constant background noise. I was thinking about this as I was coming today that I've just got used to, but I think that there that cert I think that's certainly um, reinforced by some of the things that I see around, like, I see around me, um, you know, particularly the way that kind of through, um, yeah, through advertising and television, women often always do take on a very, like, sexual, they're they're always, they're always a very sexual role, a very sexual kind of promotion of themselves, and that for me certainly feeds into my anxieties of, I need to always look a certain way, and I think it goes beyond just my weight to, you know, feeling like I need to be at least partially kind of groomed, like I couldn't just go out and like a, you know, holy sweater or something. Um, uh, yeah, to, to take care of my appearance and also to not get above a certain weight. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's, so I suppose for me, there's something about if I can't maintain a certain physical uh, expectation, things will fall apart. And has this ever happened? Well, I well, I think, so when I was a teenager, and I think it might have partly actually been down to hormones, I did, when I was about 16, put on a bit of weight, and things did fall apart. So... Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. <it's>, similarly, <laughs> at my heaviest, things did fall, fall apart. apart. But then it's like self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Because you're like... Well, this has happened so now things have to fall apart and you kind of <laughs> engineer it so things fall apart and is and yeah exactly and also that I think now and also that's like that was a very difficult time a kind of isolated incident like now and uh, like now if I put on a bit of weight I don't think everything would fall apart like I'm in a really good space I think it would kind of be impossible but that's nonetheless like my that is my perception and I definitely like I, like I say although I maybe didn't have this like if I was like this that like, really tall skinny person things would be better I definitely think if I'm le- lower in weight things are better you know that's just the, that yeah I think the two are connected in my mind and that's just a given I mean that's almost the value system you, that we've constructed for ourselves over the years and it'd be incredibly difficult to dismantle it and we don't really have an incentive to dismantle it. No, and I think it ties into the wider social pressures that that, that there does seem to be a, you know, it's kind of fed to us that that is the case. So now I'd like to introduce Amy. Hello, Amy. Hello. Okay, so, um, yeah, you've just been sitting here quietly listening and occasionally taking some notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, would you like to just kind of explain a little bit about your relationship with your buddy and like how this gradually led you to develop the biscuit chronicles um okay so um i've always been essentially a little bit fat and um various uh, different you know sizes I've, I've no idea how small i was when i was at the smallest but i was still overweight i've never i've no experience of what it's like to be in the ideal weight category that is probably a thing that will never happen to me unless perhaps i chop a leg off um and i think um, when I was a teenager, I put on weight as well. I, I, I just generally, I mean, everything was horrible when I was a teenager. I was spotty and greasy and fat and had to wear a stupid school uniform that made everyone look stupid <laughs> and didn't have the right kind of socks and all of those things. And um, uh, the Biscuit Chronicles came out of a particularly unpleasant part of my life where I was very unhappy. Can I just stop you and ask you to define the Biscuit Chronicles but for those unfortunate <laughs> enough not to know what it is. Okay, so the Biscuit Chronicles is a one-woman show that I wrote and uh, perform and I perform bits of it or the whole show. I've done lots of conferences. I did the Brighton Festival um, and various other places and it's it's it started about being about my relationship with my own body but actually I'm particularly interested in the way that the way I feel about my body is related to the wider political economic system which sounds terrifying but it's not it's you know I can understand it everyone else can understand it so that's where it started from because I having always been a bit fat and having um, always struggled with my mate been on lots of diets um, I did Weight Watchers I did food combining did, did that come from you or did somebody suggest you did that you know, I don't really remember. Mm. Um, it. I think the thing is, I think when you when you grow up in a bigger body, um, you learn that your body is wrong. It's the wrong size. And it's the wrong size because what you eat is the wrong thing. And what goes in your mouth is your choice, so it's your fault. 
So it becomes really difficult to have a concept of yourself as right, as okay. And also really difficult to have a concept of the food that you put in yourself as being right. Because whatever it is you're putting in there is clearly wrong. And, um, and there's always, the thing about weight is it often comes in a conversation with health. But there is nothing wrong with my health. And, and I couldn't understand why I felt so bad about it. I mean, one of the things that really gets my goat is that we use health as a way to justify being quite unpleasant to people who are fat. Um, and I'm, I'm using the word fat to, and I hope that this isn't going to offend anyone because I describe myself as fat and I feel more comfortable with the word fat. I hate the word obese because it's pathologizing. It suggests that there is something wrong with you where it's basically all it's taught. The word obese just is a relationship between your, uh, your weight and your height. But the assumption is that's automatically bad. And I question that assumption. Um, so I, I was like, oh, I'm really fat. I'm probably going to die tomorrow horribly of diabetes. But there was, in fact, nothing ever wrong with my weight, with my um, health. So I sort of started to do my own research and um, found out more about the relationship between weight and health and more about how the way I felt about my body was so deeply influenced by the political and economic system and I mean, the nature of neoliberal capitalism, which is the system that we live in now, is it's really important for us to all feel really bad about the way that we look in order to get us to buy stuff we don't need. And, and finding that out for the first time totally blew my mind. Can you remember that moment? I read, there, there, was, there was two. Um, I read this bit of research, um, which was, it was from the N. Haynes data, which is a huge amount of data from America, which is tens of thousands of people years in terms of how long it goes on for. So it's good, reliable data. And it showed that um, the relationship between weight and health is not nearly as significant as the relationship between um, uh, health behaviors and health. So you can be obese and still be perfectly healthy because what you eat, how often you exercise, not drinking and not smoking is more important than how big you are. And I was like, oh, here's me thinking I'm gonna... And I was gonna say also like the obese normally is marked on your BMI mm. and the BMI they anyway is a faulty way of measuring mm. like uh, j- j- just like how heavy you are because it, it, it can't take into account. Like so for instance, all of the England rugby team are classed as obese, but that's just literally muscle, the weight of muscle mass. So it, it doesn't take into account like the differences of like bone structure, bone density and muscle. I think we would just attach these very pejorative values to certain words like you're calling yourself fat I would never call you fat because yeah. I would presume you would think I was insulting you because fat has become a loaded term mm-hmm. equally obese is like it's it's a, it's a loaded term so these value like va- they're not just descriptive words like medically descriptive words that they have meaning and you know thin and slim and slender and all these words you know oh they, they almost have this musicality to them and it, mm. it, it's yeah everything these these terms which should just be descriptive are are loaded well I get that's what I was I'm particularly interested in it was and it was you know, interesting listening um, to the conversation that you were just having about this idea that you feel like you need to eat less and, um, you know, work harder and then you'll be thinner and then everything will be better. And and that's one of the things I'm interested in. And if you, if you look back at things like um, this, so we have this ideal, which is about, it often involves being slim and, um, you know, eating in a particular way and being very successful. And that's because slimness and success have sort of become the same thing. And we live in a society where your body becomes a project to demonstrate how successful you are as a citizen. And we live in a neoliberal capitalist system. So your value as a human being here is not about being a citizen. It's not about being a person. It's about being a consumer. 
So you demonstrate through your body how successfully you consume. And it's interesting to talk about bulimia because bulimia is like the ultimate um, representation of the perfect person for this society because you consume because it's we uh, believe you was related to overeating it comes with the assumption of overeating so you consume a lot yeah i spent loads of money on food yeah and then you purge enabling you to eat more it's like the perfect system for this society and when you look at something like this notion that you need to work harder that is so deeply ingrained this in this society and a lot of that comes from our um judeo-christian background because i know we're a very multicultural society now but um, when you look at that, so my dad's Catholic, so I, I, although I didn't go, I wasn't brought up Catholic, it sort of permeates your brain a bit. And there's this idea that, well, there's the Protestant work ethic, which is this idea that you work hard and that demonstrates that you are a good person and you need to work hard and earn loads of money and not spend any of it on yourself, but just keep it and die and then you go to heaven. And it's also mixed up with all these ideas about sin, which are related so deeply to your body. And there's this, we were talking about this earlier, this relationship between bodies and sex and appetite that we we, we never discuss. And it's deeply moralistic. And although we can talk about it now and agree that it's there, most of the time we forget because it's so implicit. And um, since you're... uh stupendous socio-political awakening has this at all transformed the way you see your body and the way you see your relationship with food has it trickled down all the way down um I still I mean I still have bad days it's still it's because it's in your face all the time and you it's difficult to go out in society and not be constantly reminded that you're failing in your responsibility to be a slim attractive woman because that's your major value in this time and this day and place but um i think one of the things that really helps me is the idea that i i mean this whole idea about loving your body i have issues with anyway because sometimes i feel like it's one more thing to fail at because then when you have days when you feel like you don't love your body you feel like you're also being a terrible feminist and all of these things so i think of it as i choose not to hate my body as a political statement as two fingers up at the establishment that makes the money out of us feeling bad about ourselves. So even if I have a day where I think, oh my God, like this bit's all hanging out or, you know, oh, I'm also incredibly hairy. So I used to spend a lot of time as a teenager. So we used to have to like wear those horrible, like black or blue tights to school. And my hair used to come through the tights (laughs) or you could see it underneath, like, like in these little curls. And, and so I, like I grow my armpit hair now, partly, because I can't bother to shave and my boyfriend's not remotely bothered. He quite likes it. Um, and also, it's I sort of find it a helpful reminder that um, it's one more thing I don't need to spend money on um, because of the pressure of someone else who makes me feel like my body isn't fine the way it is. And that I just feel like it's... When I have a bad day, what is useful to me is to think of the value that I have as a person outside of my body and to also to experience my body from inside and not as something that I look at and that the value comes from looking at it. I live here. So how how much work, I mean, to bring it back to uh, the, the ethic of work, how much work does it take though to be pushing back these uh, reminders, these social reminders with your own activism? Um, it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the easier it gets. You create pathways that if you use them more often, they just are there. They're more easy to access. So I'm much, much more familiar now with 
with going, oh my God, I look really fat. And then going, does that matter? I can, I more easily can have that conversation with myself. And, um, and I have, you know, a chunk of, I have my file of things to look at when you feel horrible about yourself, which can help steer you away from having those days. So it's taken a lot of work over the years, but now it's much easier to get off that road of like horrifically self-destructive. And, and I think because I also, you know, I use food um, in a weird like dual way where I use it as comfort. Like I have a tendency to eat and I have any experiences. I feel bad, I eat. I feel angry, I'll eat. I feel happy, I eat. I have something to celebrate, I'll eat. Nothing is happening, I'll eat. <laughs> um, but then I also have this like sort of self-destructive, like I annihilate my, myself with food. I'm like, I can feel myself ruining myself with what I'm eating. And it sort of has this like weird, almost comforting sense of like happy destruction. Like I'm familiar on the road of like that self-destructive road. I know where I'm going. So nihilism really... Sort of, yeah. I think, and I think so because I think sometimes you, it, it's almost becomes like a realization of, you know, like it's like me acknowledging how much of a failure I am, according to, I mean, like when I was 30, I was remembering this the other day. Um, I think on my 30th birthday, uh, I was in the middle of my MA and um, we were like working up to exams. So I was like, I can't, you know, do a party or anything. When I was 30, um, I was unemployed. I was living with my mum and I was single. And I was like, I am 30 and I have failed at life. I have no house, I have no career, I have no children. What do I have to show for myself? This thing has happened where we've sort of come out, we've come full circle into this like, oh, you know, everyone's beautiful and blah, 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 all that stuff. Like we've, um, and all that is, is it's like, it's the mainstream, it's the capitalist system, which gate, take, manages to incorporate all of the, the things on the edge, all of the things that, like punk, like punk became mainstream. The whole point of punk was that it was not mainstream. And the, the mainstream just incorporates everything that happens around the edge. And it's noticed that body positivity was the thing that was happening outside of the mainstream. And that's now drawn it in. And like Dove is like selling loads of things by telling you that you're all beautiful, but not really. You still smile, so you need to use this. So what advice would you give to people who uh you know i, I guess me and liz to an extent yeah, we like, still fall into this category. yeah well, yeah we're still like you know beating ourselves up and helping cap- capitalism how would you advise us to begin breaking free um i think it's been i think it's been a process for me of um partly getting angry like and i see and i see my friends i think maybe like I'm looking outside of myself and seeing what's happening to my friends and thinking that conversation that I have with myself, would I ever say that to someone else? Of course, of course you would never say that to your friends. And and it's, I think for me, it's a political statement and it helps me to think of it politically. And and I think it's it's very easy when you're in that place for it to become really small and to become about your body and um, to become about the way that you look and what that means. and. And also because I think you have a sense of control over those things in some way. You think I directly can change this and I should because then everything will be better and I will be a more worthy person. So I, I kind of, it helps me to, to do several things. First of all, in a way, this was the hardest thing for me to come back to my body because it was a place that was scary for me in some ways because bad stuff happened to me that I related to my body. But to come back and to live from your body as a place where you experience from the inside out. So um, 
taken the focus focus away from how it looks and more about the way it feels i mean like for me one of the examples is sex and i i remember being having several sexes <laughs> what do you do like i was several several like sessions of having sex with people and realizing that what i was thinking was i have to like be in a particular way so that my belly roll doesn't hang over like this or whatever and and i was thinking what what am i doing like what it what can you think of, a, of an activity that is more about experiencing the physical pleasure than sex? And what am I doing? I'm thinking about the way that I look. And, and, and I kind of, I was cheating myself. I was cheating the person I was bonking. And I just had like a weird realization that I was like, this is, I'm doing this wrong. And, and so I sort of like, I learned more about how to live in my body from the inside. And so I'm mean, like, I love, I love exercise. Uh, that's, that's I hate myself for saying that. Um, I like there's lots of physical things that I like doing. I love swimming. Um, I love riding my bike, and so I learned more about how when I go swimming, the sensation of swimming is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and to enjoy the sensation of it. And if you can sort of bring yourself back into yourself like that, I find it really helps. And then also to. Um, understand more about those political things and to give I, I sort of have my my small statements that I make to myself um that remind me of my value outside the way that I look and that um remind me that I'm stepping outside of that system that is requiring is requiring me to judge myself in those ways so things like um yeah like if I feel bad about my body saying well um it's it does lots of other interesting useful things for you you can appreciate it for this reason and this reason it's getting you to this place you're alive you live in it it's where you live it's useful for these reasons if it doesn't look great why is that terrible you know you're fat today and that is bad why what's going to happen and and things like um um oh, i had another great idea that i've now completely well about. um maybe it'll come back to you i, I just there's several things that what you just been saying uh, has inspired in me uh, and generally thank you for all of that I, I find that very uh, interesting and ideas that I think uh, will be helpful to me and hopefully to others um, but yeah like this idea of looking at the value you have beyond how you look like certainly a, a thing that always brings me around to enjoying life and enjoying myself and seeing the value of myself is uh, my, yeah the, the things I can do and the things I am good at and the reason why actually I think people might be most vulnerable to eating disorders and poor body image and insecurity when they're growing up because you haven't yet figured out what you're good at and you don't know who you are and so when you don't know who you are and what you're good at and what you're for then all you can do is try and present a, a good surface and then there's the, the, the idea of the surface has come down so um yeah I think once you start going down your path and figuring out what you are good at and unless you know you're uh somebody who makes a living from how you look it really doesn't matter at all how you look and I'm a writer it does not matter at all how I look and realizing that I can do my job incredibly well um and and that being absolutely nothing to do with all these insecurities is is, is liberating and helpful um Liz what helps you to like feel good about your body um so um yeah so what helps me so obviously well anything creative um so I do do writing and I used to do uh how does that help you feel good about your body um because you get so 
so you get lost in another world or if you do creative writing so um you get lost in another world um and I guess for me um I yeah I did loads of gymnastics when I was growing up and then I uh, really got into drama um and so I think I've always felt very connected to my body like so I don't think for for me I always yeah I, I feel I always like and not in a um not in a negative way but in a in in a um uh kind of positive like mind body kind of connect sort of way um so um um uh yeah but um with with writing there is a sense of getting lost in another world and somehow I'm taking myself somewhere else and that actually doesn't have anything to do with how I look um uh it's um uh yeah purely to do with like the characters and the story I'm telling um I think equally but in a slightly different way when I acted I got lost in somewhere else and obviously when you act it's very physical so you don't lose your sense of physicality and I think even when I write I'm kind of visually imagining all these things happening but you're still lost in something it, it really takes you outside of your 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 mind and your kind of negative thoughts so it's the part of the body that we're not actually talking about which is the mind and the brain and the imagination and the imagination and yeah. the things that we tend to think of as separate to your body as this like thing to be judged and to display as a sexual thing but this body also yeah as a, as the uh, Nietzsche said, um, yeah. body I am entirely, and so it's just a word for something about the body, and everything we are is is flesh, and everything we do comes from this body. Yeah, um, and then obviously the other major thing, so yeah, like uh, exercise, and for me massively like yoga now, um, and one of the things that I love about what well, I loved about gymnastics, but I love about yoga, and I think the same could probably be said for some of the kind of circus stuff, slightly over the gym. I thought you just casually said circus stuff, <laughs> as if you're a well-known circus performer. No, no, but you know, I mean, I'm not, but you know what I mean. It's just, they're all similar. They can all do similar. They all, they all do similar. Have you begun doing things. circus stuff? No, but like they all do, do handstands and yeah. all of that stuff, and but it's all about um, whereas like going to the gym or exercise classes they're still amazing and you feel incredible when you're sweating loads and stuff but I think they're a little bit more on how you look at the like the end game is a little bit more focused on how you look whereas I feel like anything like a sport like boxing would be the same uh, not that I've done that um or um yeah or like yoga gymnastics kind of circusy things is it it what, it's what you're doing that's the end game it's not really how you look it's what your body can do and like even th um this week I like because sometimes it's still hard if you exercise a lot you get caught up in oh if only I can get my abs to be a bit more ripped it's just like stupid whereas this week I was like I don't, I'm not gonna do any ab exercises I'm just focusing on back bends and it felt really good like I like like did um did drop like drop backs it's like the silly thing but like um but it's really amazing to be able to do stuff like that and again it's that thing of obviously that's you're really in your body but you're also you're it's like you're in your body in a different way to how you, how you look it's like incredible that you can do all these amazing things and you can feel strong and it but it's not you know it's not related to how you look um at all and like that for me is probably some of the the most inspiring do you have a similar experience? Because you said, even though you hated yourself for saying it, that you love exercise. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I, I love, I love f feeling my body moving. I like doing stuff with it. Like I do a lot of um, outdoor conservation stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, 
digging stuff and hedge laying and all that kind of stuff and I like being outside a lot as well but um, I thought it was interesting what you were saying about creative writing and mm. creativity and I think I think creativity is one of the best tools yeah. we have and I, th- I think that's partly to do with the fact that uh, we live in a world that makes us feel like we need to be good we need to win we need to show that we're being successful at something and I've always been really afraid of failure really really frightened of failing at doing things I've always felt like you know my body is demonstrating how much of a failure as I am because I can't be thin and all of the things and and creativity is good because whenever you create something you have to take that risk you have to take that risk of it being rubbish but you you can't ever risk it being awesome unless you also risk it being rubbish and I used to do a lot of life drawing and one of the things I loved about doing a lot of life drawing is when you do it a lot you stop worrying about whether the pictures are good because you know that eventually you'll do something that's good. So you can do loads of stuff that's rubbish and it doesn't matter. And I was one of my favorite artists is Andy Goldsworthy. And he, he does these like beautiful environmental art. And one of the things he always does is these um, cairns, like these st- piled stones that look like fir cones or eggs. And you see this finished piece of work, you know, the photo of it, and you go, oh my God, he's so clever. He's so talented. I could never do that. That's amazing. And then I once saw a video of him building this and he builds the, he starts to build it, it falls down. And he builds it up again and it falls down. And then he builds it up again a bit further and then it falls down. And I think what we always see is that finished product Mm. of someone being amazing. And you never see the millions and millions of stages of failure that you have to go through first. And to understand that failure is a part of, you know, um, life and part of progress and and I think I mean, one of my favorite things to watch when I'm feeling horrible about my life is this is going to sound completely random in this context but there's a woman called Faye Heald who is a folk singer and she's also like a I don't know a professor of folk musical something she works in Sheffield and she did this TED talk that was called we should all be folk singers and it's about the fact that now the music industry is like you can be a singer if you're good at singing according to all these people who describe what good is. And it used to be that we used to sing for ourselves and we used to sing to be a group of people singing together. We used to sing to understand what life was about and sing to connect with people. And it should be that we can sing because it's important for us. And it doesn't matter if, you, if you're good. And I think that happens a lot with life that you feel you can only do things if you're good. So basically building up a a constitution for failure really is the way for it mm, yeah and I think to not be to not because it, there, there is a sense that if you fail then you're not worthy as a human being and and it's and that like everyone's gonna turn and put at you point at you and be haha and then not let you be with them and join their club yeah that you're going to be excluded from all yeah. the, the good stuff and I, I think it's like we you know we we learn that um that we get rejected if you make mistakes or do things wrong I also think failure makes really good stories I I I recognize, you know, when you're saying when you eat for annihilation, uh, like not with food, but with like, say something goes really wrong. There's a moment where I'm like, yes, freedom. I don't have <laughs> yeah. to care about this anymore. And it's such a rush and it's such a great feeling. And it's almost like a really genuine feeling compared to like, you know, we have to go around. Well, we don't have to, but many of us feel like we have to go around being like incredibly earnest and caring about all of these really important subjects. And then when something goes wrong, you can just be like, it, it gives you access to another side of yourself that's maybe a bit more fun and wild. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, like, um, I don't, do you know, um, what is, what is her name? Um, Natasha Devon. No, who's Natasha Devon? She's, she's a, like, 
body positivity yeah a person and she now advises the government on um, mental health issues and and all this kind of stuff and she is one of those people who um i think her she used to work for a group called body gossip i don't know if she still does that i don't think she does and she the the phrase that they had was always rock your own brand of gorgeous because you know everyone can be gorgeous and you it's what makes you special that makes you gorgeous and i've always felt as my friend lucy once said rock your own brand of ordinary you know you don't have to be spectacular to be worthy you don't have to be spectacular to be allowed to be alive you can just be and that's okay I mean, to, to take it the next step, you don't have to rock your own brand of ordinary, gently shake your own brand of ordinary. <laughs> you just have your brand of ordinary yeah. that you keep in the cupboard and take out sometimes. Yeah, exactly. That's also fine. So it's interesting what you're saying about the coat of body positivity uh, because um, I read this really interesting article called You Don't Have to Love Your Body about body neutrality, um, which is anyone can read it. It's on a website called The Establishment. Um, I'm just going to read you a description of The Establishment. A multimedia site run and funded by women, predicated in a simple yet radical notion, the world is a better, more interesting place when everyone has a voice. And this article in the establishment, You Don't Have to Love Your Body, is by uh, a writer called Ijeoma Oliu, and she's just talking about this idea of body neutrality, whereby uh, you don't anything in your body, you just, um, you know, she's a freelance writer, so she, she doesn't even have to dress for work, and she's just talking about how, yeah, like, unless your body is breaking down in some way that requires medical attention or there's something that generally needs needs fixing you know your body is kind of best as a a good referee you know it, it, it you don't notice it and it allows you to go about your day and she says these messages that uh we we tell women of how you have to love your body uh you don't often say those same messages to boys like uh you know no i i mean i can't i can't speak for for this community but this is a point she raises in the article um and yeah i love this idea of body neutrality because it kind of gives you an opt-out on like energetically trying to conjure up an emotion regarding your body if really that's not your vibe Mm -hmm. um so yeah she 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 uh, i find that inspiring that idea in the article is it's i don't know this is now like a, a segment in the show where i i invite uh you ladies to say what you find inspiring and it may be inspiring like it's interesting we've been talking about language inspiring is almost a word that's kind of been co-opted as well like the whole like a million inspirational quotes <laughs> yeah. twitters and like but it's, it's okay to be inspired like really inspired is 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 still i think a, a legitimate thing to be so um either one of you would you like to um so uh, things I find inspiring. So I'm still like I still like uh, pop culture and things like that. So I do find there are bits uh, like um, uh, so for me like I I like love Instagram. I love like images, um, and like there is still attention. So the I think a lot of the body positivity stuff that I see now does still. Um, uh, I guess promote women in quite a kind of overtly sexual way. But I think that perhaps we have to like start somewhere and then we'll move on and so there's um one of the best i found is um a site with a girl called i am iskra i think it's really good how do you spell iskra iskra is i-s-k-r-a uh she's like absolutely like i think banging hot um but she's like uh, i guess what wouldn't be like your typical kind of like i don't know like victoria's secrets model shape um and um she also suffered i don't know if she suffered from actual eating disorders but she definitely suffered from uh, a poor body image um 
her uh, as she was growing up and she now speaks on it and um she just like um so one of the, so she she posts pictures of herself and she posts pictures of herself <laughs> like eating and one of the things i quite like is there's definitely a theme at the moment in like yo- the kind of yoga and fitness world of like an obsession with clean eating which i don't even really know what clean eating is because it therefore implies that some food is dirty and and I mean, like, food is just food. Um, but, she, like, so she, what I really like about her is she still promotes, like, a positive, like, healthy lifestyle. Like, she works out, but then she'll, like, be, like... <laughs> like, she's working out so she can eat a piece of cake because, you know what? Like, sometimes everyone eats cake, and that's fine, and you shouldn't feel bad about that. And so I really like... I really like her style. There's, um... Uh, Nida staff, uh, they're the National Eating Disorder Association. They post some really nice stuff. Like, like again... Like if you do like that kind of inspirational quote stuff, which there's I, nothing which wrong with I it. Do. Nothing I love wrong. It. <laughs> if it works for you, it works for you. I love that stuff. Um, they they <clears throat> but they post some really nice things, which I just for me are like a nice balance out to some of the other stuff that you can find. Um, and then lastly, again back to kind of literature and film. Like I really like I've really loved seeing things like uh, Katniss in the Hunger Games, um, and even like. They're not as good, but Tristan and the Divergent series, where they're, again, girls that completely transcend their bodies. I mean, they use their bodies, like, in a really impressive physical way, but that's not, like, their bodies have nothing to do with the story or um, with with themselves. They're more than that. Um, and, um, in, and, indeed, I think Tris is described as, like, like would, might what be, like, conventionally, like, slightly unattractive, but it's not, like, it's nothing to do with like her her story or what happens um and so I think things like that are um like I find particularly inspiring because again it's about like who can I be like I don't know how like kind of strong can I be what can what can I like do um and achieve that's nothing to do with what I look like um well I've I've worked a lot in what what is called the health at every size movement but I've sort of sort of slightly moved away from that and I work with a woman called Dr Lucy what is the health at every size movement so health at every size is the idea that um you can be healthy um or you can you can improve your health in any body that you have at any size um and that that doesn't need to include losing weight so it's the idea that you know your health is more closely related to your behaviors so what you eat and how you exercise and drinking and smoking um but one of the things that I think is most important is it's linked a lot to social justice um, and this idea that health is so much more than those things. And actually, if we, you know, if we look across the, the, um, the population in the UK, so the, the, pop, the part of the population that we tend to think of as, you know, having problems with their weight and health related issues to do with their weight, that the problem that that population have is not really that they're fat. The problem that that population is that they live at the bottom of an incredibly inequitable society and no amount of kale and jogging is going to help those people partly because that's making it all about their personal responsibility and what needs to change is society society needs to become more equal if you really want to change people's health and so it's taking that on board as well and understanding that that um you know the way that someone feels about their body is really important to their health. So making people feel bad about their bodies isn't helping anyone. And shaming people into trying to make them be fitter or eat more fruit and veg or any of those things is not helpful. And um, I think those are really important conversations that we often forget to have. Um, so Dr. Lucy Afrobo is a huge inspiration to me. She's like a brilliant, brave 
person she does lots of um other interesting creative stuff that she's um looks at things like the erotic and the relationship that that has with with our bodies and how we connect with our bodies in that way um, i also love uh, reagan chastain who does the um, blog dances with fat and um, because she's a professional dancer but she's really big and she has really brilliant ways of explaining how we can talk about the relationship between weight and health in a way that's not shaming and useful um and um who else was i going to say um I know this also seems slightly bizarre, but there's a fantastic organisation called um, Common Cause, uh, which really is a group of people who are working together. And I think their website is valuesandframes.org. And what they do is they look at values in society. Because I think one of the problems that we have with, you know, the relationship that we have with our bodies and how important that has become is because our values as a society have changed a lot. And Common Cause are looking at the ways that we can shift values because there are values that... Um, are related to each other and um, if you invoke one value it's more likely to invoke the one next to it on this chart so for example um, if we make status very important it's more likely that um, money will become very important and um, success and all of those things whereas if we invoke um, universalism this idea that we feel that we're all the same we're all connected um, we're more likely to be interested in caring for the environment and animal rights and those kind of things so I'm really interested in the idea that the relationship we have with our bodies is really a reflection of um, the relationship that society has with its values and and I think if we can look at it more like that and understand that what's happening is we're internalizing these values and if we could find a way to understand these values more and ways of shifting them then we would all do better from that although at the moment obviously there's a tiny proportion of society that is massively profiting from the issues they're experiencing at the moment so I find looking at that kind of work and understanding it um, makes me feel much more able to look at my relationship with my body in a broader context that allows me to step away from my own painful um, um, sort of like self-destructive intention with with my body and allows me to see it in a broader scope that I can feel okay about. I mean that's brilliant um, that really is and the only thing I would add is that you know this position where you're calmly educating yourself and seeing the bigger picture sometimes when you feel bad about yourself you just need really basic comforts and um i think as ever uh, i think i've advocated this before but just really good relationships caring relationships people you can you can hang with and just kick a can down the road with until you feel yeah like you're you're on a level again um and if you're in a relationship that isn't good people tend people that are manipulative or abusive will will pick and play on people's insecurities and so yeah i just say just as a basic thing you know like the the end goal is to be i think the term is now awoke bay uh that means like you're well i mean you're woke as fuck but what does that mean that just means that you're like i guess awoken to the system that you operate within um and you know that is the ultimate the ultimate goal for any ambitious person who wants to understand the the world around them and get some perspective on who they are but Ba basics first I think people need to, people need to have good people around them who value them fully for who they are um Lizzie do you have anything to add my love no I think that's good and I think yeah like I think if you're struggling right now sometimes it is those small simple steps at, that can then lead you to the bigger thinking so yeah like so said like I think it's 
sometimes can just be about making sure that there's at least one person that you can really trust or there's like an activity like one activity you can do where you can just forget yourself um or like even just like going for a walk in the sunshine and just being like wow like I don't know there's more to me than than just how how I look that you know there's like this whole world um that I can explore and the sensuality of it like the way you describe Amy how swimming feels you know your body is not just a thing to be looked at and judge your body is the thing that experiences pleasure and I think pleasure pleasure can be a, a, a good leveler as well um so yeah hopefully those are some some positive thoughts but like not body positive thoughts just some positive thoughts <laughs> um uh, so do, do my guests have anything to add before we uh, wrap up I just wanted to say on the, the point about relationships I think that's a really good point and I think one of the things I always think is important about relationships is that we worry a lot about you know making ourselves vulnerable and all this stuff about failure but the relationships the point at which you you cement your relationships is when you're vulnerable it's not when you're being brilliant and amazing it's when you're at a low ebb and you connect with people because everyone is imperfect it's the one thing that everyone has in common and that's a great way to connect with people and also i read this fantastic bit of research recently where there's this um, group in america and they've been following these people for like 74 years and looking at what it is that enables people to live the longest happiest healthiest lives and everyone's like oh is it you know not eating butter is it always going <laughs> jogging and the thing that makes people live the healthiest longest lives is good relationships above and beyond everything else well, that's an excellent note to end on. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, Amy. No, for... thank you for having me. It's oh. been really good. Yeah, no, you're a great guest. Uh, at... you. <laughs> well, I'm building positive relationships, <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> so, thank you as ever, Lizzie Stimpson, my, my darling co-host. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, thank you to Eleanor McDowell and Michael Leader, uh, who are puppet masters behind the strings, behind the scenes. <laughs> also behind the strings, sure. Holding the strings. Holding the strings. <laughs> okay, so thank you, listeners, and goodbye.